Hi, welcome listeners to yet another episode of Felder Christ Moving Into the Night. I'm really excited about this particular episode because we're actually are moving further into the unknown because we haven't actually got a Feldenkrais practitioner with us today. We've got Kim Sargent-Wishart, who's actually just as intrigued, just like us Feldies, um, about moving, sensing, embodying and understand the self. So welcome, Kim. Thank you. Thanks thank you so me. much. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited. But before we dive deep in and have start our conversation, I just want to give a brief um, outline of your life thus far. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Kim is based in Melbourne, Australia, um, but you're originally from the United States and you've danced since about the age of six or eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you then danced your way through a Bachelor of Arts in Honours in Dance. And you followed, after that, you sort of followed different mentors and, and used them as your sort of go-to of where to move through body work before um, each way. And so you've studied massage, kinesiologies, Pilates and body-mind centering. And Kim describes herself as an artist, a researcher, an educator and a writer. And she specializes in somatic education, physical practices, and contemplative photography. She's also a longtime student of Buddhist traditions. And then in 2016, Kim was able to put all these intriguing interests together and create a, her PhD. And the doctorate is entitled Making Nothing Out of Something, Emptiness, Embodiment, and Creative Activity. Kim's a certified practitioner and teacher of body-mind centering, and she's a registered somatic movement educator and therapist. So, Kim, I've just sort of touched on elements of your life, but there's this really clear thread of inquiry and somatics in in there from almost the beginning. Um, And Feldenkrais, as we know, is a somatic practice as well. And Thomas Hanna explains somatics as the study of the self, from the perspective of one's lived experience. Now that's someone's sort of small definition, but with all your experience, I'd really love you to flesh out your own understanding of what you think the definition of somatics is. Um, I think that's a good, you know, his definition and he coined the term Thomas Hanna. So it's a good, always a good starting point to go back to his um, definition of this identifying the need for uh, practices that's that reference our own felt and lived experience of being in our bodies and of being bodies and all of the potential of paying attention to our bodiness um, rather than what a body might look like objectively from the outside or how we might measure Um, how a body appears or all all of the things that we can measure from the outside, which are sometimes also really useful, but he really set up this, um, identified this other kind of general uh, practice. And he he has a, there's there's something called clinical somatics, which is is the thread from directly from Thomas Hanna, which is a specific, set of exercises and a specific approach. And then somatics is also used, as you know, more broadly to 
kind of capture this whole wide range of all these different approaches to uh, deepening, enlivening, fostering, clear experience of being in our bodies, being our bodies. Thank you. So do you, did you come across this term? Is this something that resonated with you from the beginning or was it something that you were already doing and then um, someone found a definition for you? How did it work through your life? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I don't remember exactly when I first heard the term somatics. Um, my first anatomy and kinesiology classes were for dancers and they were largely experiential. And so I think that was my first introduction to a, a somatic approach, but it wasn't called that, like that same class now, this was in 1983. So, you know, a same class now might be called a somatic approach to anatomy or somatics for dancers or something like that, but this was anatomy and kinesiology for dancers, which is, was, you know, the study of how, how we move, how movement works. And it was largely, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it was largely musculoskeletal. And like a lot of classes for dancers tend to be focused on the, the skeleton and, and muscle function. So can you explain what you mean by experiential, um, you know, anatomy what does that actually entail um it's entails being in a really actively learning and act like your your own experience as a place of learning so I could tell you where your you know a certain muscle is and and what it attaches to and how that moves your shoulder but to actually uh you know feel the muscle in yourself um feel how the muscle could lengthen and shorten and how that affects your movement through the joints, um, different ways of even visualizing how muscle functions. So it really becomes about you specifically about your own sensation of your own muscle as an example, rather than something that you might just see in a book. I mean, we rely a lot on the, the imagery and finding images in books and finding the locations on each other when we're doing like the experiential anatomy part of body mind centering. But ultimately it's, you know, what your shoulder feels like to you and what my shoulder feels like to me could be quite different. And none of us look like the pictures in the book at the end of the day. So it brings it's personal as well as um, something that's, shared amongst us it's also a more personal approach and so it's how that's basically how Heidi and I were introduced to your work we did a a six-week workshop with you in the skeletal system and it was really about tracing our bones learning how they connect how long they are their purpose um, their shapes it was a fascinating experience and then moving within the frame that you created for us. So that was like literally the skeletal system being the frame. Um, it, it was a beautiful experience. And I, for myself, it was such a beautiful way to learn what was happening in my body 
as well as learning the bones. So that seems to be now the way that you do educate people. And I prefer seeing you as an educator than a teacher. So how does that how how does that work for people? Like what kind of feedback are you getting from people? Um, generally people, well, lately I've been teaching, like most of us, teaching over Zoom online. Um, some people doing classes by recordings. So I get feedback by people will email me and give me feedback if they're not present or <clears throat> I do get to hear some feedback at the ends of classes. Um, yeah, generally, I think I think it's been very positive. The response from people has been very positive that I think people really want to know what, what their bodies are and how they move and um, not just be told, you know, do this exercise to feel better or, um, you know, move this way, breathe this way. Like some, sometimes those are really helpful, but I think generally, at least the people that are attracted to coming and studying with me um, are really interested in, in um, the kind of, what's the word, like uh, agency that learning for themselves can bring and then they can apply it however it makes sense to them. Mm. It, it is really that um, skill, I think, of sensing that once you start doing the processes like we do in Feldenkrais and what you do in your own work, it's that skill of being able to sense yourself from the inside that really gets refined. Mm -hmm. is, that what, is that what you think that you're really honing in on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think I'm like a tour guide. You know? <laughs> like if you, if you haven't been somewhere before, it's nice to have a tour guide kind of orient you, show you around, um, maybe give you some history and some options and, kind of help um, personalize and enliven the potential for experience. But then you're going to, you know, to carry that analogy further, once you're there, you're going to then have your own relationship to the place and your own experiences there. So, um, yeah, rather than me telling you what you should feel, that I can... I can lead you into a certain, you know, part of your anatomy or movement patterns or, um, you know, qualities. And then it leaves you space and op options for you to have other experiences that you can then each carry on in your own way. So I think that, that also um, sums up the somatic experience is being a tour guide or an explorer within each, each and every person being an a, an explorer within their own bodies or our own bodies so knowing not not even it's not even knowing but having the curiosity to inquire within what's going on in and it's not only in the standing position it's in the bending it's in each position because our bodies are continually changing shape and um dancing with gravity so it's a beautiful way to explain it being an explorer within your own body i think that does for me it sums up how the somatic experience mm -hmm. yeah it has that kind of field trip mm -hmm. feel to it and and you know I've had people like last week I taught a class on the heart and lungs in 
and just finding where the lungs are, feeling where they are, the different lobes of the lungs and working with each one individually and then how they move in relationship to each other and how that then can be in relation to the ribs and then through the arms. And afterwards, um, a few people just said, you know, they didn't really know where their lungs were. They had a general vague sense of, oh, the lungs are in my chest, but to actually feel the the fullness of them and the density of them and the, the sort of sponginess of them and, and what space they actually occupy can make a big difference in terms of um, movement functioning, upper body strength, breath, um, ease through the neck and shoulders, like this, you know, lots of ways that that could play out. But the starting point is where are my lungs? Mm. You know? I remember being amazed to find how far they come up into like into my shoulders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the length and the size of them, they're ginormous compared mm-hmm. to, I don't know what I was thinking. I just see these images that they look so small. And then there's also their connection into the heart as well. So how the heart and the lungs interact with each other. So that knowing has the experience of my body be very, very different. And you mm-hmm. have a beautiful you have a really beautiful way of explaining and taking people on those tours. In fact, yeah, I just have to put that in. Thank you. Yeah. I and enjoy I, that part. I really enjoy that part. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love sharing teaching anatomy and, and um, going on those tours. Yeah. Yeah. That's what comes through. And I think that's, you've now arrived at the body mind centering with Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen And if you could share a little bit more about that experience, that'd be really great too, please. Sure. So uh, body mind centering is something that I, I did a four-year practitioner program in the late nineties in California. And then just a couple years ago did did a teacher training, which is the, um, what then enables you to think more about how the work is taught and then you can teach on the certification programs. So got to, after a 20 year break from, from, I was still practicing, but I wasn't kind of immersed in the, in the, um, you know, the programs part of it. Uh, It was really lovely to get to revisit. Um, Basically BMC has, it's described as an approach to consciousness through the body body mind is hyphenated and uh, I love the hyphen between body and mind it puts it sets up this relationship and it also could be read in a lot of different ways Um, I've heard that the original intention was that it's the body mind like the body the mind of the body was the original intention of that hyphenation but I I like the kind of uh, kind of permission to explore what that relationship is and what that hyphen hyphen space kind of can offer up. Um, so within this approach, there's a kind of two basic streams. There's the experiential anatomy and physiology. We do, we study all the different systems of the body. So if you were in, there's a somatic movement educator program, which we run in Melbourne. Uh, which is a 500 hour program. Um, And there's, so there's a module on the fluids and one on the skeleton and one on the nervous system and so on. And then there's also 
another stream of developmental movement, which is based in the work. A lot of the work evolved from Bonnie's work with babies and uh, young children who had movement challenges from birth um, and looking at just the, the patterns that we go through, which other assistants do that as well. I think there's some of that in Feldenkrais as well, the movement patterns, they're fairly, um, I don't know if they're universal in, in kind of the sequencing of them, but it's not that uncommon to have some kind of pattern sequencing. Um, so these two things are kind of, kind of separate streams, but they also overlap and work together. And we also look at um, the learning process and senses and perceptions and um, overall the whole process of learning is being developmental. And I guess um, you highlighted before that a lot of movement practices, yoga, Pilates, it's all centered around muscles or skeleton, but Bonnie's really extended that to you, to the whole system. Can you explain a bit more about, you know, going into the fluids of your bodies or your cells? What does that actually give you that this, or, or contrasting the skeleton to these other systems? Um, well, I think one example is like what I was saying about the lungs, working with the lungs. Like if you're doing a, a yoga class or a Pilates class and can orient to your organs, for instance, the contents, the, the feeling in your brain as an organ or your, your digestive organs and the fullness inside your pelvis. And that can bring in this other three-dimensionality and weightedness and kind of a whole personness to your movement in a way that sometimes when it's just uh, um, like if it's just the mechanics mechanics of the movement sometimes it can get a little cold or a little yeah. impersonal or like oh I need to try to do it a certain way I mean I love muscles I don't mean to be you know just yeah. muscles and <laughs> I love that whole realm but at the same time there's something about bringing in fluids and bringing in you know how our blood is circulating through our body and um, the fluids bring in a lot of different rhythms of movement um, as well as rest like the shifting of the shifting between being at rest, being in stillness and shifting into movement into different rhythms, different sort of timings back into stillness or relating more to gravity or more to the space, like wider reaches of space. So these are some of the things that the other body systems can bring into experience and bring into the conversation, which sometimes have more to do with quality mm. of movement. Because um, you could okay. make the same basic shape, like if you think of a yoga pose or a, you know any kind of gesture, any kind of shape that you can make, you can do that in so many, maybe infinite number of different ways that you could do that. And the, the qualities that come through um, through these different options and ways of drawing on other systems can be really uh, helpful and really interesting. So it seems like to me that that really then opens up, like if you're just working through the skeleton or just working through the muscles, 
then you really, like you said, just limiting your options and almost becoming mechanical about that. But when you're talking about liquids and cells, and it's almost this softness, whole body experience that it's almost like we're missing out on if we're just focusing on our skeleton and our muscles. Um, One of the foundations of body mind centering is that we are, we are a collection of cells where uh, the number seems to keep changing, but we're trillions of cells, <laughs> trillions of cells, you know, so, and our cells are continually dividing, making more, they're dying off, they're rearranging, they're moving around, even our bone tissue, which we tend to think of our bones as fairly solid and fixed. They're continually dissolving and being remade all the time. It's part of what they do. And that's wrapped up in our immune system and our blood circulation and um, our strength. So that um, even even to sit and imagine yourself and to remember that you're a collection of cells and that all your cells are breathing can change the way that you sense what you are. Just that image that we are cells and our cells are, we call it cellular respiration. The cells are always exchanging as we breathe our external respirations, the oxygen gets brought to every cell and so the cells are exchanging oxygen carbon dioxide in and out of the fluids around them which then travels through the blood and then in and out of our lungs so you know how is it to feel all of your cells breathing and in relationship to each other and in this fluid and like we're fluid on the inside as soon as the breath comes in and meets the deepest part of the, you know, the tubes, your breath travels through the bronchi and then finer and finer, it, the breath meets fluid and then it's in fluid the rest of the way. It sounds like to me that, you know, you had this analogy of a tour guide, but it, once you've, it's almost like you arrive at this place, you give the tour, but then once you've got that understanding, you can, you're free to then explore your own space. Your, you know, it's not just something like an anatomy book where you, you, you've listed the names and whatever. It then gives you this, like you said, agency. That, can you tell me about how, how does that manifest in your life or for people that you've taught and how does that expand into their actual life rather than just into a class? Hmm. It's a good question. I think it's different for everybody. And depending on, like a lot of people who come to my classes are people like yourselves who are practitioners of some kind. So then it would feed into the work that you're doing or the classes that you're teaching. Um, or it could feed into uh, research or arts practices of any kind. And that's a really open question, I think. And I guess when I ask it, I'm thinking about, so what does that, when you step out of your lesson and you're, you know, going to the shop or you're driving your car or someone said, oh, they've got a cold, you know, how does, what agency does that give you to then respond to the world almost differently? 
Do you mean me personally or? Well, I guess it's, it's for you personally, how that has assisted you throughout your life. But then if there's any stories that you know of people who have are good examples, I guess. Of that. Mm. Mm. I guess um, for myself, I'm drawing a blank on examples at the moment, but something might come to me as I start talking. Um, for myself, it's a, a sense of options. I, I use that word already, but just this sense of um, that I that I have options of ways of responding. And one of the things I I like about so here, I'll give you an example. <laughs> I got an example. So if we look at the nervous system and we look at our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, sympathetic is traditionally like generally defined as the fight or flight response or freeze response. And then parasympathetic is generally like a rest and digest response. Those are the extremes, but there's this whole range of modulation. And if you look at the whole picture and play with uh, shifting attention, awareness and tone between your uh, more restful, internally focused, digestive kind of, you know, when you're getting ready to curl up in bed or when you've got your nice cup of tea, you're reading a good book, like that kind of quietude and internal um, and then you're the other end of the spectrum of being really aware of your environment, maybe like an example of being in a strange city, there's traffic, maybe they're not speaking a language you're used to, something like that, where you really have to have your wits in your antenna outward and be ready to respond, kind of reading the environment. So you can play in in a session, in, in, you know, I might do this through a, a class, how to move between these internal and external awareness and states of listening more to what's happening inside and listening to more what's happening outside. And it's not that cut and dry. It's never, I'm only listening externally or only internally, but there's this way that you can kind of move through. And I think it's the moving through and the shifting is what we're learning. So that we have options that aren't just on or off or either or I'm awake, I'm, I'm up or I'm down, but that we can kind of find like how much, how much awareness, how much attention to the outside world and inside world. Cause really it's always, in a, I think in a healthy situation or system that's continually fluctuating, you check in with some internal sensations and some external sensations, and that's a continual conversation that's happening. But there are places where that can get kind of stuck, so we tend to jump. Yeah. And that's where um, to sort of the on or off. So that's I, I just that's beautiful because you you're getting 
the subtleties of those incremental, you know, parts on the continuum when you're practicing that process you discuss. But it's also then being able to drop in and be comfortable at each of those points so that you're not just reactively in flight or whatever. You're like, okay, this opportunity actually means I need to go and get sorted and, you know, that, that you can really have a lot more. I don't want to say control, but options more mm-hmm. and, and aware, more awareness. awareness. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. So um, each theme, you have different themes throughout your, you know, teaching year. And so the one that's coming up next for us in this time is um, the nervous system. I'm glad that you touched on that. Because <laughs> um, nervous system is basically in Feldenkrais how, you know, we relate and how we get the information in. Is there one little insight or experience or even explain what the the course, the five, is it five-week course that you do? Yeah, I'm doing um, a five-week um, course on the nervous system. So it's a pretty introductory. We'll touch on a few different aspects, um, including what I was just describing about the sympathetic, parasympathetic I think similar to Feldenkrais, I mean, the the nervous system is a lot about learning Mm. and understanding our world, understanding our habits, understanding our mind, um, really relating to each other. Um, And in addition to looking, considering these kinds of experiential uh, like the the physiology of the nervous system and the the level of experience and presence um, within the work. There's also, uh, you know, the brain is an organ in the spinal cord. So you know, actually feeling where your brain is and and letting your brain take up its space in the spinal cord and then the nerves. It's like there's also the the physical aspect of can your nerves be more supported and more released? Because um, it's a physical thing. We kind of forget sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think we think of the nervous system as the, I don't know, the wiring or the processing, which it is, but it's also something uh, structural and physical as well. Um, and with that, there's these, the glial cells, which are the support cells for the nervous system. So we work with those with the, they wrap around, it's the myelin that wraps around the peripheral nerves and the white matter in the brain and spinal cord, like how the glial cells are supportive of the neurons, the nerve cells. Um, And then also often play with their relationship between the brain, head brain, heart brain, and gut brain um, so that the head isn't up there the head, the brain in the head isn't just sort of, um, you know, isolated, but in conversation with the rest of the body. So in, um, cause this is all generally body mind centering that you're talking about and what you generally teach. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious cause in, in Feldenkrais, it's thinking, feeling, sensing, doing that we sort of are the four categories of basically what's going on in your own system. Can you say um, that again? Thinking, thinking, feeling, feeling, sensing, sensing, and doing, and doing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so we talked a lot about sensing. Um, can you talk about the emotional side, the feeling side, as far as how does Bonnie approach and how does the emotion sort of and the feelings come into the teachings of Body Mind Centre? Hmm. She talks about, there's an old article, um, there's a collection of articles and interviews with Bonnie in a book called Sensing, Feeling and Action, which reminds me of your, your list, your Feldenkrais list. Um, and in one of those, she talks about the difference between sensing and feeling and describes sensing as being more of a nervous system activity and feeling as being more of through the fluids. Um, and that is, I mean, they meet in like a felt sense. And I, I don't know that I would necessarily just delineate it that, that um, clearly. And she might not anymore delineate that clearly. But when she brought in the fluids as a area, as part of the material and area of study and practice, it brought more feeling and more emotion into the room. Um, which in the dance, in the concert dance tradition, like not sort of folk dance and participatory dance, which I think tends to carry a lot of emotion and feeling, things like modern dance and postmodern dance are tend, tended to be quite expressionless, um, at least that was the tradition that I studied in. Um, and when she brought in the the fluids it brought in more of this kind of feeling emotion and inter interrelationship for me i look at babies and i look at you know babies when they're learning to do new things and they're so wrapped up in emotion and like crying and squealing with delight and happiness and how much we've kind of taken that out of our learning process in general as adults I think is kind of um, a missing piece and maybe we should all just be squealing more and crying more um, so because the work comes from a developmental framework there's always room for you know who are you as a whole person and, and the feelings are kind of part of that there it's part of how we how we learn you know, I don't know how to talk about it any more clearly than that in the moment. I think there's more to, more to be said, and that could be a really interesting longer conversation, but that's sort of what comes to mind at the moment is. Mm. Yeah, I think you've beautifully touched on it and given us a, mm -hmm. a nice um, reference. Um, we mentioned body, Bonnie Bainbridge-Cohen. Can you just, you did actually do some classes with her can you talk about her as a person and what she's um offering as well now I guess yeah she's um she is very generously offering these online courses now um which um it's just really wonderful gift of the world so she she's uh she's almost 80 been doing this a very very long time she started as a dancer and grew up in the circus her parents were her mother was a circus performer and her father sold tickets and it's, she talks about that as being really influential on her um 
just to grow up with the seeing this really wide range of possibilities of what people can do that most of us wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't have had that um, experience and how that shaped her in terms of um, just your general kind of foundation. Um, and she studied a lot of movement development and Laban movement analysis and um, has a really uh, unique, I think, way of doing research that's sourced within her own experience. So she'll take a book, she'll take some information, always still taking in new information and finding ways to explore it in herself and through drawing. She does a lot of drawing um, and then sharing that. Um, the last 10, 15 years or so has been really a lot about embryology um, that's come into the programs and into the study. Um, so it's inside a lot of the other material that she's teaching and that most of us teach now, how the, how the body grew. Um, and yeah, she toured around with it. She came to Australia in 2017 and taught in Sydney and Melbourne and then went to Auckland as well, um, which was really special for a lot of people who had been reading her work for a long time and, and wanting to meet her. It was a great opportunity that she was able to come. And now she's, you know, broadcasting from her house and can be in your living room. She's done, I think, three series so far and she's going to keep going and thousands of people go this like 3000 people or something signed up each one. So, and the beauty is you can be in the course with 3000 people and you can still see her and you can hear her and you can pause and go back. And yeah. There's something quite uh, beautiful about her whole persona, isn't there? Yeah. So you both have been doing the online. Her online yeah, we've done some of um a couple of the courses yeah there, there's something quite beautiful about her presence and how she holds the space even though she's aware of different time zones and people it's just quite a beautiful um yeah to just be in her presence really <laughs> so one thing within person body mind centering classes um that are in the programs is they often begin and end with a circle with everyone sitting in a circle and she's managed to create that in the online she'll even you know stand with her arms out to the sides and kind of be I think seeing who's in who she knows what names she recognizes and as people are checking in and saying where they're from in the chat and she's I get this sense even though I watch them on the recordings because it's you know four in the morning or mm. something for us that she's still she's holding everybody and she has that capacity to hold everybody yeah, it's quite beautiful. Mm. Um, I'd like to change back to what we were talking about, going back into the somatics sort of world. And you were a Pilates teacher for 20 years. Is that right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, 25, yeah. So I think there's lots of um, capacity for yoga, Pilates, you know, other people that are working in different areas to bring somatics into those different worlds. So can you explain when you taught Pilates, how you sort of brought that embodied or did you bring that embodied sort of lived self sense, felt sense into it as well? 
Yeah. Yeah. I would, if, I mean, it, and always it depends on the person who you're teaching. Yeah. So when I was working one-on-one, which is what I was doing more um, when I was teaching in San Francisco, teaching more one-on-one sessions so you'd have more time I would do a lot of hands-on guidance with people and kind of integrating more of the organs and other um, kind of qualitative connections through the body as they were moving Um, in group classes it comes out more through choice of language I think because you can't go around and have your hands on everybody Um, so imagery and just even talking about, you know, how you meet, how you meet gravity, how you work with gravity. Can you let letting your whole self be in relationship to um, whatever it is that you're in contact with, whether that's the floor or if you're working with equipment, like how you're, how you meet the equipment can make a difference. And then how you, um, even, you know, how your muscles function or what kind of control you have or the quality of movement. So um, I think sometimes it just comes in underneath Mm. too. It's the way I see things and think about things, but I wouldn't necessarily be, you know, saying all of it. Um, Okay. So you're not necessarily constantly drawing their attention into their felt sense. No, I think I, I did a lot more of that when I was starting out. Um, and especially when I was starting out with body mind centering, which was after I'd been teaching Pilates for about four years or so. And I got really excited about it. And then I thought everybody, of course, everyone wants to feel every detail about what they're doing. And, you know, they don't like some people come to class because they just they just want you to tell them how to move and then at the end of the hour they feel great and they're happy and they go home and you know not everyone is there for that um somatic education and I think it took a while for me to let go let go of that because it was so exciting to me um yeah so then then the people who come in and really want more of that it's available, but otherwise, you know, just, just inviting somebody to lie on the floor and feel themselves in relationship to the earth through their back, say, or through their feet and to meet that. We call it in body mind centering. We use the term yield, which is an active, active meeting, actively coming into relationship with something. So it's not just splat relaxation on the floor but it's a kind of a bringing up of the tone the general tone in the surfaces that are meeting gravity um so you know you can give somebody just that little drop of something um or uh exploring where your kinosphere is which is like the the general sphere around you that you can touch easily through your extending out through all of your limbs and then where does your kinesphere feel like sometimes it can feel quite small sometimes it can feel really big and so you know it's inviting somebody to fill out the space more and imagine that they can touch the walls when they're moving can shift the tone of an exercise 
so the exercise can be the framework for something. Mm. And that's part of what I love about Pilates is that it's this whole and, and Feldenkrais too, for that matter, like you're, you have this menu of exercises that somebody else has already gone and figured out for you, which is great to have that. And then you can vary them, but within them, then you can play with this range of, of tone and ways of being present ways of showing up ways of sensing yourself so i think part of that answer is that sort of peppering throughout a class as opposed to a complete immersion and pushing onto them yeah 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 or teaching like a little bit of anatomy like if and if somebody comes in with like a you know a shoulder issue an injury that they're healing, then I, then I think personally, it's important to learn the anatomy of mm. how mm. the shoulder girdle moves, where the scapula is, where the clavicle is, how the, you know, rotator cuff muscles, where they attach, and then also to sense the ribs and the lungs and, and just that baseline of, you know, what is it that we're working with? Because I think a lot of people's experience of sensing themselves is actually through pain. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And I guess for you, having been a dancer and moved through this world, you know, so you're always sort of there in this different. But I think a lot of people, like you said, coming to a yoga class or Pilates class, it's that tightness in their shoulders or the, the clenched hands or the, you know, sore neck or whatever that's actually how, what's, is what their felt senses. Yep, I think you're right. I mean, that's often what gets people in the door. And yeah, for a lot of us, that's what are that's the strongest sensation that we have often. And it's just then, like you're saying, through the awareness of the anatomy, for example, that you can shift and meld that understanding of the pain, maybe yeah 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 so I think just I'm really intrigued I I think I'd love for you to speak just a bit about your PhD because I think it's a really nice um from what I can tell of sort of a, a synergy of all these different worlds of yours coming together would that be correct yeah it really was it was a great opportunity actually to spend time diving more deeply into some of these um, philosophical questions that come came up in the meeting of um, somatics and particularly embryology and uh, Buddhist philosophy and this history of um, creativity and making things that came through studying dance and choreography and in relation to other art forms. Um, and then and the contemplative photography became part of that as well, kind of partway through the uh, study. So yeah, it was um, affirming. It's, you know, sometimes it can be really hard to not, to be in a, a profession or a, a discipline, a field of interest that doesn't really tick any of the boxes. You know, we, it's, it's sort of, it's not really fringe so much. It's just so not 
defined in a mainstream way. So to actually get to get inside of that for a while through the PhD was really, um, yeah, it was a great gift to be able to do that. So what was the actual point of inquiry or the main, can you just outline what your PhD was about? I can try. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's, it's a dance it a while, through it or something. <laughs> it was also a while ago now. So um, it was about the dynamics of, based on embryology, it was really about what, what are these, what are some of the dynamics of things coming into form? Okay. And the, that was the, the emptiness and embodiment and in, in uh, many, if not all schools of Buddhism talk about form and emptiness and being the same. Um, so if you look at anything that exists, like a piece of paper, there's a, a Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a Vietnamese, really well-known um, Zen teacher and writer, he talks about, has this uh, in one of his books about, you can look at a piece of paper and you can say, oh, this is a piece of paper, but it's also the, the tree that the paper is made from and the sunlight and the rain that went into the tree growing and the person who cut the tree down and the, whoever made the paper and whoever made the book. And, you know, so you can see everything that's inside of something. And so nothing can be identified solely as something that exists on just in and of itself everything's connected everything else so and that's sort of the idea around with emptiness so with embryology looking at how the body forms and i ended up looking at tibetan embryology as well which has a very different kind of story of the formation of the body which has to do more with the elements the five the space air or wind um, fire, water, and earth as, as movement dynamics, as movement qualities. And so I took, it went into the studio. I had six researchers I was working with who were all movement. So people who were interested in dance and somatics. And we explored together in the studio and we, uh, I recorded it and recorded myself teaching. And we all did stream of consciousness writing and had discussions and then that all fed into the the writing and thinking through of um kind of the juiciness of these different areas meeting and then i made dance uh screen dance so dance on video um and then did a series of photographs from the contemplative photography tradition that I study, which is called Mixang, which comes out of the Shambhala teaching from Chogrim Trungpa Rinpoche, who um, founded the Naropa Institute, Naropa University in the States. And he's very well known. He's written a lot of books and had uh, really strong arts practice as part of his teachings. He was a poet and did calligraphy and flower arranging and photography, um, filmmaking. So this is long tradition of, of the arts within Buddhist practice and arts as contemplative practice that I was also drawing on. And somehow it all threaded together. <laughs> 
and continues to thread together and continue to write about different aspects of things that came up through the PhD and still, still writing, still publishing and teaching. Oh, I can't hear you now, Heidi, you're on mute. Sorry. Um, when you were speaking about it, it was just, it's almost this is in liveness in my body that it just, yeah, that sort of growing and expanding that real, um, yeah, such a beautiful um, experience for you, but I, I love that you shared it. So thank you. Thanks for that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, so was there anything else particular that you like to share with people that are from the Feldenkrais world or from the um, somatic world or we were sort of we actually decided at the beginning of this year that we wanted somatics um, the somatic experience to be um, our theme and and you're the first person that we sort of got to be able to drive through this particular um, type of, of, of world um, so is there anything else you'd just like to leave us with as far as somatics and your experience and what you've, yeah, what else you can share with us? I think um, it's such a, I think somatics is just a really rich way to um, play and to experience, you know, who we are and how we can connect with each other and how we are in relation to our environment and to the wider, our social fields, our relational fields, and, um, you know, just keep going. <laughs> it's just, there's no, I always say to my students, you know, in my classes, like there's no right way. There's no way it's supposed to look. There's no right way to do it. Um, and just to keep like it's such an open question and that like the practices of keeping returning like that it's a practice we can keep returning to our embodied experience and 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 dance <laughs> like just keep dancing i think that's really opened up another question for me so um i guess i really when I've gone into my, um, to myself, I get this really beautiful internal experience, but I still haven't been able to, because you mentioned relationships and community, but how do you, how does that extend that you're actually sensing yourself and then being able to relate and communicate and connect with other people in this way? So, I, you know what I mean? I get really quite caught up in my own sense of being and then it's almost I want to shut the rest of the world off but as you're saying it's an opportunity to connect yeah I I think there's there's times to do that to go into your own sense of being and and to you know switch off to what's around you but then also like how do we bring that into can we practice you know when we're able to again be in a room together can we practice um together like through touch and through moving in groups and um, um those kinds of relational practices because i think our work is relational our our learning is relational um it's great if i can move more efficiently by myself you know like if i can do a class and feel better but there's also this other element of like 
how does that then affect how I am in the world or um, how we can have conversations and yeah I think it's, it's nice really, that we can extend that can't we yeah and I think there's another part of it too which would probably be another conversation to have rather than a short one but there's also this other piece of being somatics practitioners and one of my teachers and colleagues, um, Amy Matthews, um, speaks about this quite a lot is that we can never assume that we know what somebody else's somatic experience is. And so as practitioners to um, kind of avoid the trap of mm -hmm. assuming anything about anybody else's experience really but that the more we can uh kind of the way you, you said it well before like that we're developing this ability to sense within ourselves but that ability then helps us to resonate and connect with each other and to whatever is you know shared between us within the wider environment like being able to you know read the room or you yes. know sense the the needs of a particular situation yeah. um, but that's I think part of what we're developing yeah that's that um we can have shared experiences but it's not necessarily the same experience so yeah you can you can sort of relate on that level but but acknowledge their experience is different to yours which is a really accepting beautiful way of um allowing everyone to have their own agency which is I think for me it's been a real theme of what we've been talking about today mm -hmm. um that you can sense yourself but then you can then take that further into your world however that might look for you so thank you Kim so much for today it's just been a beautiful discussion. We've touched on so many different aspects and you've really moved us into the known unknown with your PhD and introducing us to body-mind centering, um, ex exploring what somatics might look like in other worlds. So Kim has got a website, kimsargentwishart.com, and she does weekly drop-in classes um, for body-mind centering. And then there's different themed classes that she does on in little courses so she's currently doing the fluid system but then next I think is the 17th of August it's a five-week course which goes into the nervous system and so you get to experience understand anatomy but also actually get to experience it happening through your own body um, and you have this beautiful sliding scale payment which is a very um, kindly thing for you to do <laughs> So thanks again, Kim, and um, it's been a beautiful discussion. Oh, thank you both so much for having me and for carrying this kind, these conversations on. It's really, really a gift to your communities as well. Thank you.